Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Today, uh, I get the privilege of preaching out of the book of Revelations. It's the last book of the Bible, y'all, and if you know anything when I was in seminary, they asked me, what, what haven't you preached? What are you afraid to preach? I said, Revelations. Let's just get it out of the way. It is not easy. But I'm in a, I'm in a really uh, joyful text. I am in Revelation 7, 9, and 10. Revelation 7, 9, and 10. So I want to give you a moment to get there. And when you get there, say, got it. Lovely. Look at you guys. And once you have gotten there, and I'm giving a little extra time for those that need it, Revelation 7, would you stand on your feet as we read God's word together? Lovely. Revelation 7, verse 9, reads this way. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The very word of scripture. This morning I want to preach from the thought, a taste of heaven. A taste of heaven. Will you guys pray with me? God, this morning as we get into your word, I pray that you would help us lay aside everything else that has had our attention or fighting for it that you would allow us to be fully present, to hear your truth, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to believe that which you have for us. We know that if there is any hope in seeing a life changed and transformed, it comes by the hearing of your word. So this morning, would you accomplish what you came to accomplish, God? We pray that in Jesus' mighty name, and your church says, amen. Family, have a seat. In 1969, I'll say that date one more time, 1969 aired one of the most prolific shows to ever hit TV. You know what that show is? Sesame Street. (laughs) Sesame Street, y'all. 1969, that's a long time. Sesame Street started, and one of the reasons why it garnered so much attention was because In a time that was considered the wasteland of TV shows, Sesame Street came on the scene with a diverse cast. Not only diverse in ethnicity, but also diverse in like monster puppets and stuff, right? (laughs) So there was some real diversity there. But when we think about it, as uh, Sesame Street started, one of their main goals was that they would restore value back to some of the most vulnerable members of society. Y'all hear me? That was one of their main goals. And it reminds me of the saying that you can't become what you don't see. You can't become what you don't see. And so for different folk who did not have some level of representation to have a show that showed you that you can learn a certain way and act a certain way and talk with certain people and they cared about you. This was deeply different. 
So much so that there's now studies that show that kids that have been exposed to Sesame Street have been shown to have more success in different social areas, in education. Like being exposed before the age of seven to Sesame Street, they, kids of all different ethnicities and upbringings have performed better. Now, this is a thought that's growing because what they have said is that in media, with, so, with, with representation, it helps to build self-esteem, right? To be able to see yourself and know that you and that person look alike and maybe you share something and I can, I can have those moments and I can do those things because that person that looks like me does it. It helps greater self-esteem. Also, it helps to remove negative stereotypes, things that we have just begun to assume of people that we don't know. And so when I look at this, the heart of, of what we can see in a television show, people that understood this in 1969 and began to live it, that left an impression on media. I wholeheartedly believe that we look at scripture and we find a passage that gives life that reminds us that diversity was always God's plan. Diversity was always something that God had ordained already. I want to remind us that when we look at this passage, um, another way we can say this is that when we see diversity in heaven, it tells us that there is no length, no depth, no obstacle that God's hand can't reach past. And so that's good news for us that come from different walks of life and different experiences. Those who have deep wounds and hurts. Can I tell you something this morning? God has always had a plan for you in his plan. That's good news. Family, I need you to talk to me this morning. Let me know that you are with me. That you see the beauty and the joy of this text in Revelation 7, 9, and 10. I'm going I'm to let you know this, that as a church, our heart is to be multi-ethnic, multi-cultural, multi-generational. Not because, again, we thought it was just a cool thing to do and nobody on our block was doing it. No, no, no. We look at Scripture and we say, no, this, this was God's design. When I look at this passage, I can't help but one thing to be encouraged by is, is that we serve a promise-keeping God. We serve a promise-keeping God. We are situated in the very last book of the Bible right now, Revelations. But can I take you to Genesis 17? Find me there if you can. If you can't, I'm going to read it to you. But Genesis 17 is God talking to a Hebrew man that he found, and he let him know that he is making a covenant with him, and he begins to clarify the sign of that covenant. Genesis 17, 5 through 7, and it says it this way. He's talking to Abram at the moment. He says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offsprings and after you. Before you knew it, God was thinking about you. You have a God that saw you and considered you before you had anything to garner his attention. Can I tell you something that I can't wear flashier pants to get God to look at me more? 
Maybe that's why I wore them. My daughter told me I look like peanut butter and jelly, and I loved it. I love it. It made the pants even cooler, y'all. Like, I love that. But can I tell you that we have a promise-keeping God that in the very beginning, he looked and he said, no, 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 these are mine, and I will show my creativity through diversity. I will show you just how far I could reach by showing you that it is not uniformity that I come to accomplish. And so looking at that and seeing a God who is a promise-keeping God, many of us in this room understand that trust is, is beyond valuable. There's very few places where you and I can freely give our trust and know that it's in good hands. We walk into places, work, or, or different relationships, and we say, who's here to profit off of me? Who's trying to take from me? But when we look at God who was, God made this promise not because you and I did anything to deserve it. He made this promise because he was being true to himself. This is God being God. And what it does in the long run is it reminds us that his trust is unlike any trust that we have ever situated ourselves in. We, we give trust with the hope that someone doesn't break it. Can I tell you this morning that we have a God that can guarantee you that he will not break your trust? And so we get to sit and be reminded that God has always had a plan for us in his plan before we ever knew it. And so if you've ever found yourself in a moment where, is there anything that thinks of me? Is, is, wh who am I and where is my place? Can I tell you there's, there's always been a place for you? And that's good news for us because it's not situated on us. You and I are not God's second attempt to get it right. You and I are not God's tax incentive to have a diversity and inclusion department. Can I tell you that? It's always been God's plan to see the differences in a room that show Something has to unite us. So I'm reminded simply by looking at this passage that God has always had a place for us in his plan. Another thing that we are reminded of that is deeply forming to us as a church, Renewal Church, is that when we look at this passage, we see that we are called to be a gospel-centered church. Where do you see that, preacher? Because when they were before the throne... With a loud voice, they cried, salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. We believe that everybody in this room, no matter how you're identified, whether you are identified by skin color, class, or culture, we all are looking for something to save us. There is not a person that is not looking for salvation. We have just believed that there is a way to achieve it without God. And so in this room, when we look around, maybe you have put that trust in a job, you've put it in a degree, you have put it in money, you have put it in a person, you have put it on uh, vindication, being repaid for the things that have done wrong to you. Whatever it has been, we have all, wherever you find yourself, sought for salvation. And in this moment, we are being reminded that salvation is only, that redemption, the healing, the, the redeeming of a people only is found in God. 
That's good news because then that means we don't got to keep running around fighting each other to figure out what it is. Fighting ourselves at night, laying our head and saying, what is it that will save me? It's God. So it won't be your self-righteousness. It won't be your vindication. It will only be God. And here's the thing. We, we all are on this journey searching and looking. What is the thing to save us? And here's, here, here's what I have to say. I don't think that the church gets no consideration. I just think the church gets the last of the consideration, consideration usually. People tend to go through their list. I've tried this. I've tried that. I've tried this. I've tried that. I guess I'll go to church. I, I've done something. I guess I'll go and try this Jesus dude, right? But it leaves me asking, maybe the consideration is last because the church is just a bit too quiet. Maybe, maybe it's because we have not been an example that salvation is found in the bride of Christ. And so we Look, and we say, man, people have gone hurting themselves, searching and longing, but what would it look like for a church to say loudly and clearly that which you long for is found in Christ? That there is a place that has thought of you, that has welcomed you, that wants you here. Can I tell you something? Renewal Church, we, we think about this before the Lord and with systems and prayer and practice, we look and say, how do we create a space where everybody is thought of and seen? There's something that we say around here that if you walked into our church, if you walked into Renewal, and you liked everything, one of two things are happening. Either the Lord is with you, truly, like he is, all, like he is leading your heart. Amen, right? Or we have created a space that is not thinking of someone. Because we want to be a space... Look at our worship this morning. Jesus is on the main line. All down to Christ, Christian contemporary, like, music. Like, it, it, it switched real fast. Like, if you look at my playlist, I thought I was, like, on shuffle. <laughs> but there's a whole lot of intentionality in that. Because we want people to walk in to know your church has been thinking about you before you step foot here. Not because we are trying to, like just win you over. No, we believe it's deeply biblical. We believe this is what God has called us to do as a church. And so this is what we are committed to, to be able to be a space that welcomes everyone to say, the salvation you look for is found in one, and it's found here when we lean and let, rely on Jesus. And so it this passage has encouraged us to see that our God is a promise-keeping God. And secondly, it, it encourages us to remind us that salvation is found in Jesus, the gift that we have. And so if you're in the room and, and, and you're saying, like, I don't, understand, I don't know if you know my pain or what I've been through or what I've done, can I tell you that this salvation is, is, is a justice-filled salvation, that Jesus went to the cross willingly that the greatest part of justice that we are looking for has been accomplished on the cross and the promise that justice will continue to happen is guaranteed when we look at Jesus willingly taking on a punishment that you and I deserve. No one has ever been guiltless the way Jesus has. And he willingly 
took our debt punishment. Receiving and enacting God, judgment on himself. Like, justice is going to happen. And it's going to happen the way God has intended it to happen. And that, as we see and encourage what, what awaits us in the future, we can know that we are in good hands. That he's trustworthy. That he is a promise-keeping God. That salvation is found in Christ alone. With that, as we see to better understand the God that we serve, what it does to our life, I have to say something that I think speaks to the core of every person that's in here. Can I tell you a life in Christ is lacking nothing? A life in Christ is lacking nothing. We see it in the church. We see a lot of people like, they, they, I belong to Jesus. I confess Jesus, but I got a little bit of my life over here. I got a little bit of my life over there. And what this is saying is these are those that belong to me fully. They worship and they praise me. They have found the source of life in me. And their life is lacking nothing. When we look at this passage in verses 9, it talks about those that are in front of Jesus, or in front of God. Jesus on the throne, and I want to read it to you. And at the end of nine, it says, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Here's the thing. In this space, I want to tell you something, that the church is not a place where you just have to come and assimilate and check your ethnicity, your experience at the door. No, no, you're actually invited in to bring all of yourself. Your fullness is welcomed here because the thing that unites us is the fact that we are all clothed in redemption. You and I have been washed by a blood that cleans us white as snow. And so you get to be the best part of yourself, your liking, your taste, your music choice. All of that is important because God has creatively given that to you. So bring it because the thing that reflects him in you and I is the fact that we are dressed in redemption. In the white robe that has been cleansed by the blood of the lamb. So you and I have a great identity before our God. It is no longer my inadequacies, my brokenness, the things that I've had to lean on for people to like me. No, no, no. That which I am situated in is God's righteousness. When he looks at me, he no longer sees my, my criminal record. Like we're not there white in, in a robe holding our criminal record next to us. No, no, no. We stand before God washed white where our debt record has been washed away by the blood of the lamb. Where we stand, when God looks at us, he doesn't see us as cousins or stepchildren. He sees us as his child, yeah. his son, his daughter. And rather than holding on to all the brokenness that we have to, to show, we actually hold on to palm branches. You know what palm branches represent? They remind us of the Feast of Booths in the Old Testament. This was a celebration that went on to recall God's provision and protection. When a war or a battle was won, they would hold palm branches as a sign of victory. 
you and I get to stand before God with a victory, not of our own, but of God, of his, his accomplishment, his doing. So if you're not strong enough, it's okay. If you're not faithful enough, it's okay. If you don't know where to start, that's okay. Because all the heavy lifting that allows us to be in a room like this, where we can look around no matter our differences, we can understand we all had a need for that type of salvation. And the work that was accomplished was done by God himself. And so we get to hold these palm branches reminding us that the life that we have in God before the throne of God is one that is filled with his presence, one that is filled with his provision, one that is filled with his protection. You don't believe me, meet me at the, at the last verses in Revelation 7, 15 through 18, and it says it this way. Therefore, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. He who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. The lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes." Believer, can I tell you, a life in Christ is lacking nothing. We have all that we long for and need, a place of belonging, a, a, a relationship with God that does not have hindrance or hostility, and we have to walk on eggshells and hope that we keep him happy. No, no, no. It is a presence that shields us, that there is not a need that we find ourselves in that is not met that there is no harm that will continue to lay waste to us. Now, I understand that this is prophetic, and it's talking about the end days. This is talking about a hopeful future, but I wholeheartedly believe, and what has shaped us as a church, is that we get to experience a bit of this today. Yeah. Why? Because the church exists a church exists with the Spirit of God calling the people of God to be together to live this out. What that looks like is, it looks like you and I caring for one another, being reminded that you and I bear burdens with each other. That means it's not okay to allow a brother to walk in here downtrodden or a sister that is going through something and just simply say, ah, man, you should really go talk to a therapist. Like, best of luck, bud. No, it's how can I sit with you? How can I help you find those resources? Is there a way that you and I can do this together? Can I remind you that you're not alone? That the presence of God is reminding you that you have a community that you belong to. So it's not just, I hope things get better, but how will I be a part of your getting better? We get to experience a bit of this by being reminded that the church exists to bear burdens with one another. Galatians 6.2 tells us, bear burdens with one another so, in so fulfilling the law of Christ. We get to experience some of this. We know the fullness awaits us, but we get to experience some of this by being the church to one another. Being reminded that there is a place that thinks about us and welcomes us in. 
We bear burdens with one another. You know what another thing the church does? Is that it understands in a room like this that the loudest of our voice is not by who is on the top, it's actually by who's on the bottom. The loudness of our voice is to say, those who do not have a voice, you do have a voice because my voice will be your voice. It's being reminded that the best way that we can love one another is not to look at the most blessed and most privileged. It's to look at the one in most need and say, how do I step down to you? Because that's what my Savior did for me. Your good is my good. All of this, to see a, a, a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational church is to say we want to see God's glory on display and that happens when people lay themselves down the same way Christ laid himself down. It's to say if we want to see the glory of God, then my greatest good is to see your greatest good. Tell me a place that you see that outside of the church. I'll wait. I'm hungry, so we're not going to wait that long. (laughs) The truth is, is you don't. You don't see a place that is saying, my greatest good is your greatest good, because there's nothing like the church. There's nothing that says the glory of God is my greatest good. So if I can see God glorified in you, that is the best thing for me. No, no, no. We say the best thing for me is to make sure that I have had my fill of whatever I want. So the church is a very different place than what the world shows. It's actually the hopeful future that we await, where we will stand before a holy and perfect God, a multitude of people that cannot be counted, of every tongue, every tribe, every nation, with the beauty of our ethnicity, of our, of our different experiences and all that we've been through that has shaped us and made us standing in redemption together. That place is calling. And so the church gets to be a reminder to everyone in this room, how do I remind you of your hopeful future? That there comes a day where better, where, where all your needs have been fully met, where everything that you have longed for has found its fill. That there is no more pain. That there is no more tears. That hope is fully experienced. The church gets to do that. And as a church, Renewal Church, we are committed to putting that on display with one another. And so we have been reminded in this passage that he is a promise-keeping God, that salvation is found in no one else but God, and a life in Christ is lacking nothing. The church gets to put that on display. We are a community that shows that there is nothing better than trusting Jesus. We are a community that says you have been thought about before you even knew it. Because we see God function that way in Scripture, The church gets to be intentional that way. And that's something that we're committed to. So if you're new here and you're like, man, this place is a bit different, or man, this reminds me of something, we are just letting you know who we are and saying we want you to jump in all the way. Because that intentionality serves a purpose. The church putting on display a hopeful future is showing that we have a unity unlike anything else. 
that we are unified by a king who is not power-hungry or looking to abuse all that he can to get his greatest gain. We actually are united by a king who loves us versus living in a system that functions off of superiority and inferiority. The church is a deeply different place. The church that's committed to the scriptures should be a deeply different place. In Christ, we don't exchange our ethnicity for nationality, but the beauty of being a citizen of the kingdom of God is to put on display in diversity his creativity and God, his reach. You need to show up all of yourself. Can I tell you that? Can I give you that freedom? Show up all of yourself. Because we want the watching world to know of God's creativity and his reach. There is nothing too far, too outlandish, too far gone that he cannot put his hand in and pull them out from. The church gets to put that on display. In a world that is looking for reasons to divide, that's actually how more groups are formed. It's the things that divide us that put us into groups. The gospel tells us we have more in common than we do in difference. We have a God who made us intentionally to be with one another intentionally. This is why, and I, and I want you to hear me, please, if, if it, email me later in the week if this offends you. It's okay. This is why if you feel like the church isn't everything you want it, is a good thing. If you find yourself in a church where it's everything you want it to be, can I tell you something? You're going to end up in a room locked with five people in it that look just like you. It's like the worst thing for you. But if you find yourself at a church where it's not everything you want, maybe it's just that that's how God intended it to be because the church wasn't fully situated around your comfort. Actually, text, email Jay, Elder Jay, email him. And what it's saying is, is this, is that if the church is the church that God created, then it will be a place that is welcoming to more people of different walks, of different experience, and will reach people that you and I could never reach in our comfort. So maybe it's a good thing that we find ourselves at a church where it's not everything we want it to be. We know that discomfort is, is, is discomfortable. Like it, it just, it, no one likes it. But I promise that it leads to a good. We call it gospel good. And so I'm going to end this time in, in just a thought. We as a staff have been reading a book. We've read it before, but we, we're reading it again. It's Tony Evans' Oneness Embraced. And he talks about the irony of the Liberty Bell. You guys know what the Liberty Bell is? right? Do you know where it's situated? Where's the Liberty Bell? Where can you find it? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Do you know what Philadelphia is called? The city of? Brotherly love. Interesting, because in July 8th, 1776, that bell rang out loud. It rang out loud, summoning people to hear the Declaration of Independence read out loud for the very first time. July 8th, 1776. Can I just ask you something? If you know history, when did slavery start in America? 1619. 1619, slavery started. 
We are in 1776, and a bell is being rang as a symbol of liberty. And these are the famous words that are read. You may have even know, you, you may know them by heart. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with a certain inalienable right. Those among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This bell rang to the reading of these words, and every time the bell rang, it was supposed to remind you of these words, that I have been created by God, and I have rights to pursue life and liberty and happiness. Interesting. What also was happening at the same time was that the Liberty Bell actually had these small cracks and fissures in it, which are like fractures. And so people that knew this would say, hey, you have to take care of the bell because it's going to break. And so the bell would ring and the bell would ring, always reminding, always reminding that, we, that all men are created equal, as those words would say. In 1846, it rang and it rang and it rang until it cracked, till a wide gap split the Liberty Bell where it was no longer able to be used. So what they do is they decommission the bell and it represents liberty. But just maybe that crack is a prophetic sign of the dual reality of liberty that they were professing. Maybe it was saying you cannot ring liberty and say life and liberty and happiness is available to all men because they're equal, yet you treat some different because the color of their skin. You can't do that. Just maybe. But I am more convinced today in Chicago that the church gets to be the true bell. That the church gets to be the bell that rings out loud, that says there is no other place where you can find life and liberty and happiness. Only the church has to give that. It isn't by your self-righteousness. It isn't by convincing yourself of some type of piety that will fix it for you. No, no, no. It is only Christ that rings out loud. The church says, come, come from afar, come from a near, come and hear the good news that it is Christ that gives life and life abundantly, not because of what you have, not how you earn it, all because of his love for you, despite what you look like, despite what you have or don't have. This is a ringing of the bell that we get to cry out. That, what every man has the right to, life, liberty, and happiness, only the church gets the right to say, this is where it's found. True life, true liberty, true happiness found in Christ. And the beauty of seeing a room where we all understand that we are truly made equal puts on display a unity like the world has never seen before. So here at Renewal Church, we are convinced in believing that we, just in existing and what this room looks like, gets to share the truth of the message that we preach. That there is a God who is loving, who made us, who has always had a plan for us and his plan before we even knew it. 
that he guaranteed it by his life, his death, and his resurrection, that you and I, despite where we come from, what we've been through, and how we look, and what we have, and what we don't have, that we can have this life through faith in him. And so Renewal Church, by being the church that bears burdens, that loves one another well, that sits with people, that uses our platforms to give voices to those that do not, who give their possessions so that those who do have not, do have, to look like the New Testament church, when we do that, we get to be a taste of heaven to a world that is searching and hungry. We get to be a taste to a city who has dulled its taste buds on the things that are no good and simply fill and find themselves hungry once again. Have you ever taken a taste of a great meal as it was just finishing? You take a small taste of it, and what what does it do? It resets your priorities. You lay aside the junk food. You don't give yourself to that thing that's just right in front of you. You say, no, 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 I will wait because I will not waste this for the meal that is to come. I believe as a church we get to do that to the world that is watching and searching and looking, to come and taste and see a God that is good and say, I will no longer run to the things that do not fill me. I will wait for the promised future that is ahead of me. You and I, All of us, a part of this church, get to do that. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your truth. That our goal, our desire, is to be a church that reflects your truth. That we would see that you have brought together all people, all nations, all tongues, all tribes, to put on display your creativity and your reach. There is nothing, no length, no depth, no obstacle that can keep your hand out of reach for them. I pray that all of us that are here would see the beauty of how you have brought us here to be a part of a community that reflects that truth. Help us trust you and help us reprioritize that which we're chasing, God. I pray that in Jesus' mighty name, in your church says, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.